Okay, welcome to episode four of Common Ground with Sean. Great to have you guys for another episode. Um, cannot wait to get this guy on the phone. He's been uh, he's been in and around my life for the last about six months or so. He's an exceptional uh, leader of people. I can't wait to introduce him and uh, and really let him speak about his life so far. Andrew Lorenzo, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Great intro. <laughs> <laughs> awesome to have you on, man. Um, and thanks so much for being a guest today. You may notice, guys, a bit of a different accent there, which I've uh, which I've grown to love. Is uh, is your American accent, Andrew? So why don't you tell the Common Ground audience a bit about yourself and um, a bit about where you're from and and uh, and and why you're now living. And working in Melbourne. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, I'm from um, America, uh, mm-hmm. originally from New Jersey. I moved to Australia about just over seven years ago, funnily enough, to teach ballroom and Latin dancing. Uh, so I did that for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Hospitality-wise, I've been that's been in my life forever, just over 15 years, I think, at this point, maybe 16. Yeah. Um, and so I've always dabbled in that, you know, starting from when I was just a young lad of 16, managing my first shift uh, mm-hmm. at a Romano's Macaroni Grill back in New Jersey, and then beautiful kind of skyrocketed from there. So, um, what what made you start in in hospitality when you were 16? Was there was there sort of a driving force behind it, or was it just something that you you was something that was local or something that happened? Yeah, well, it was actually, it was kind of uh, a perfect storm of everything. It was, um, I uh, have always been in the performing arts and, you know, as as somebody in the performing arts, you always hear everybody saying, oh, you know, best thing for you to do is hospitality because it's a people, it's a people career. Um, and those who are in performing arts, a lot of the times, not always, but a lot of the times, mm have really great people skills and it's a great way to learn how to engage people even more. Um, so there was that. Uh, it was also at a time when there was a new, basically uh, uh, restaurant plaza was opening up near my house and mm-hmm. I, you know, I needed a job to, to save up for my car at 16 years old. So of course, uh, Important, yeah. right? 16 year old guy. You know, in, in the States you can, you can drive at 16 and a half, so you got to impress your yep. friends. Um, so I went over, funnily enough, to actually I applied to be a singer at this restaurant. And um, mm. so, you know, there's Italian arias and all that good stuff. So I did that, um, and that's how I was hired. Uh, but as a singer, you also work as a host. So uh, as a host, you know, in the States, um, you know, Friday, Saturday nights, Thursday nights, you get weights of an hour to two hours for people waiting for tables. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's a pretty demanding role. Um, and so as I did that, I just stepped in and took charge of everything. So then a couple months they promoted me from that to uh, like a shift supervisor slash junior manager. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the rest is history. From there I went on to Fridays a couple of years later and just launched in the hospitality. 
Is um is that why they had singers on board at the restaurant because the wait was one to two hours, so people would forget? Or yeah, pretty much. So <laughs> I mean, a lot a lot of restaurants in the states have those long waits, but Macaroni Grill is probably the, one of the first um, in terms of now Macaroni Grill is kind of like for those who don't know, it's like an Olive Garden. It's an Italian okay. version of TGI Fridays. You know, it's uh mm-hmm. you know it's cas- fine slash casual dining, but it is chained. Um, and they were the first ones to really incorporate that. So yeah, most of my singing was done on those long wait times, or sometimes I would sing the occasional Italian happy birthday, but yeah, it was, um, (laughs) it was definitely an entertainment for those long waits. With, um, I think balance is a really important thing that I want, you know, these podcasts to sort of bring home to people in hospitality. How did you find striking that balance between doing performance arts, which is obviously something you've always wanted to do and been involved in from a from an early age, I'd imagine, and balancing that with hospitality for for what is a, a starting to be a long career. Yeah. Yeah, well, look, uh, it wasn't always easy. Um, and it's not always easy, but it's just one of those things where you have to take it uh, on a case-by-case basis. Um, you know, when I was younger, obviously – the restaurant wasn't quite a full-time career, but as I get older and when I work in a full-time career as hospitality, um, it is important, yeah, to have that balance. So for me personally, um, you know, I'm more involved in television and film than stage anymore, so it's much easier because the schedule is much more forgiving. Um, But if, you know, I find that if I can't necessarily do some kind of production there's always something that I can do, right? That I can I can take a class, um, I can network with people, I can I can study certainly on my own. So what I would say to anybody who's got that passion is think outside the box. You know what I mean? Like know know your responsibilities. For me, four fingers crispy chicken. I don't know if I can say that. You can. You can say. Okay. You can say, you can say any brand you like, my friend. That's perfectly fine. Cool. So that's it. That's the brand I'm with right now. Obviously, that's my number one priority. Um, So I know my responsibilities, but I also know that at the end of the day, I can't devote 100% of my time to that because we can't do that. Um, You know, you've got to have those those passions. So you just basically find those times where you can make it work with your schedule. For Mm -hmm. example, I'm in I'm involved in a in an acting class right now, and Mm -hmm. it's gives you that um that sort of out so definitely if if you're in if you have something that you're passionate about just think outside the box and really get to know what your options are but keep your eye on the prize if you have a responsibility make sure that you are staying responsible yeah absolutely and and moving forward from macaroni grill where did you where did you move to after that career yeah, uh, I went to uh, TGI Fridays mm-hmm. after that, mm-hmm. um, and that was my first sort of um, experience as a as a, as a waiter. Because um, yeah. I didn't do much waiting at tables at Macaroni Grill, mm-hmm. um, but my primary focus there was also to be their front of house um, uh, leader. So I was mm-hmm. a shift leader right out of the right out of the gate there. Sure, and um, so, yeah, I stayed with Fridays a year or two, I think. Mm-hmm. It's all blurry now. 
Yep. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, and that was a completely different learning uh, learning curve on its own. You know, when you mm. go from hosting tables to waiting tables, it's just a completely different. Um, you're on all the time. And uh, for those of you who don't know, um, in the states, when you're a waiter, you work your 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 salary is your tips. Yeah. Um, mm. You basically don't get an hourly wage. You get like something like a dollar an hour or something. Wow. Um, yeah, so you have to be really good. Um, a good waiter. Now, this was, where am I? It was 12, 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, a good waiter, A, you get those good shifts, but you, you're making anywhere from six to $800 a week cash. Um, mm, but, okay. So it really, really helps you develop your people skills, your problem solving skills. Um, you know, <laughs> definitely yeah. helps you to, again, think outside the box because that's where you're really going to come in contact with those guests that might not have something positive to say about their experience, but you gotta, you got to think on your feet and know how to handle that. Yeah, without a doubt. I think, I think in, you know, I, I don't, that would never happen in Australia with that kind of, that kind mm-hmm. of wage or anything like that. But I think the positive in what you're saying is that that waiter, that service staff member has to really think laterally around what they're doing a lot right. more. And, and especially in someone like yourself who's involved in performing arts and acting and singing and, and those kind of things, I, I can only imagine that would be extremely beneficial for you. Oh, absolutely. Um, mm. It's it's helped me on so many levels. Like I said, like, you know, talking with people, bringing out that communication. And you know what? Not for anything else. Mm. The level of um, guest service that you learn or customer service that you learn in a position like that, it's just invaluable. I mean, I, I, I hate to say it, but I see a lot of times there are people that do work in these cafes and they do get their normal wage and they don't have mm-hmm. that sense of, I really want to impress you. Welcome sure. to my house. Sure. Because they're they're going to get paid no matter what. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you're working on that, like just on tips, you're, you, you develop just that awesome sense of, of guest uh, mm. service. And, and yeah, it is definitely invaluable and definitely puts you ahead of so many other things that you need to be ahead of. Absolutely. Did you um have you seen TJ Fridays in Australia? And if so, do you know do you know a different? Can you see very many differences between the two brands in Australia versus America? Yeah, look, actually, um, in on the waterfront over near Crown in that area, um, mm-hmm. I've I've had the opportunity, and in uh, I think Jam Factory. I don't know if it's there anymore, but I, I've mm-hmm. I've had a couple. Um, experiences with TGI Fridays here in Australia mm-hmm. and the brand is definitely pretty similar. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just a, it's a fun place. Um, mm-hmm. I actually, I didn't have any problems with it. Um, they even have, I think it's, um, again, it's so long ago. I think it's a kayak or the, like a sculling rower, you know, one of those long, mm-hmm. uh, sort of kayaks. They, and every Fridays in the States, they actually have one of those somewhere to symbolize teamwork. Wow. And, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's everywhere. You, you yep. can always, you, and the fun thing is in Fridays, I don't know if you've ever been, but they have all this stuff all over the walls, like from sports yes. memorabilia to movies yep. to music. And so mm-hmm. if you find the kayak, it's like, oh, cool. So, and I'm pretty sure that they have that same thing here. So 
the brand and the culture is pretty similar. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, though, and it's not a bad thing, but there are definitely differences, and this isn't just Fridays, this is everywhere, uh, in mm-hmm. the way that uh, wait staff sort of um, interact with you, mm-hmm. just because, not because they're anything other than just doing their jobs, it's a different different culture. Um, yes, so cool. you you find that people are less inclined to just let loose and have a little fun with you, and it's just more, let me take your order, let me bring you your order, and hope that they, hopefully that they check in on you and make sure that the order is okay. <laughs> it's a it's an important thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think well. I think definitely in Australia, I think that level of service um, has gone up uh, but not in the last ten years. When you look mm. at cafes and restaurants and and how many real steps or stages of service they they really want to interact with the customer because. You know, in that same time span, it's actually become a lot more competitive, um, especially in a fast casual space. And those fast casual brands really realise that they have to um, to step up their game when it comes to the service. So I think a lot of that has actually come from the states and yeah. um, and their level of of service expectation. So, yeah, well, it's even since I came, like when I first came here, I think the biggest shock was that wow, the service is really different and it's mm. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good. But yep. uh, I think in the last what, seven years that I've been here, yeah, I, I, there's definitely a change going on. It's a good change mm. Um, mm. where you, you're feeling more welcome. You're feeling like, you know, because look, at the end of the day, we, we, we make limited amount of money, most of us. Um, yep. We have a limited amount of time. We spend our days taking out the trash, making our own food, you know, mm-hmm. sitting at traffic lights, waiting mm-hmm. on the tram, waiting for the tram. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, when I run a restaurant, I want to treat those people as, wow, you're taking time out of your busy day, your, your busy beat field day to, yes. <laughs> to come in and, and spend your limited money in my establishment. And mm-hmm. for me, that's, that's crucial. And I think that, that the mindset since I've been here is is heading more toward that for more and more places here in Australia, and I think that's great. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great mentality to have, and I wish more licensees and managers have that kind of mentality, Drew. It's really, really cool. Mm. What's um? So we talked a bit about you know your first two proper jobs in Macaroni Grill and in TGIs. Where did you move to after that while you were still in the States? Uh, after TGIs, I think my you know I bounced around restaurant to restaurant mm-hmm. and. You know, at different um, different places as well. You know, I was a historical tour guide at places. I obviously, <laughs> I, yeah. How did uh, that when, come about? Well, there's there's actually uh, this place in New Jersey called Waterloo Village, and okay. it was just simply another place. Um, so the job description was historical interpreter, right? Mm-hmm. Really, it, it's a tour guide, mm-hmm. um, and there were certain places in this historical village, which is very much like Sovereign Hill, I would equate it. Yep. Okay. In Victoria. Yep. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, you know, to, for me, the exciting thing was, oh, cool. I can dress up in this period gear and, you know, like have all these old clothes and, you know, I can really, you dress up basically. And yep. act You're like performing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I, at one point uh, I was licensed to be a blacksmith there. So 
that was really cool. Can you trust me with fire? (laughs) But, you know, I made some cool stuff. I made rings Mm -hmm. out of nails and horseshoes and stuff. But anyway, um, it was just for me just a new way to talk to people because I had this big binder probably, oh, I don't know, a thousand pages or something with information for all the sites. And I was excited about learning all of it because whenever I go to a place, that and I guess this is the moral of my story when I go to a place the first thing I do is what can I do better what could I do better if I was here Mm -hmm. so for me giving a tour tours can be boring at historical places you know most people that came through this place was people on field trips you know from schools they're just there for the day off Mm -hmm. but for me the challenge was engaging them and getting them excited about being there and so it was just a really, really cool opportunity for me. And, uh, you know, you learn so much, obviously, about the history of your own state, your own country. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I guess the uh, the skill that I took away from that, you know, if I took away people and communication and from Macaroni Grill and I took away uh, guest experience from Friday's, from Waterloo Village, I, I would have taken away um, guest engagement, mm-hmm. you know, and getting them cool. excited. Yeah. Cool. I think that would have benefited you a lot, again, in hospitality, and talking about that performance and, and that kind of stuff and just interacting with different people. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think from there, I think there was some point in, in cause where you went to Panera Bread, is that right, in America yeah. before you came out of Australia? Yeah, that was my next probably and final biggest um, hospitality role in the state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, <clears throat> there's actually a really interesting story there. Um, I, it was a walk-in. It was one of those, um, you know, generic posters and saying we're hiring, you know, yep. positions available, yep. associates, managers, all this and that. And so I walked in and I said, uh, I see that you're looking for a manager. Uh, this is my experience. Here's my resume. He's like, well, we're not. Uh, that's just kind of like a generic poster, mm-hmm. but we are looking for associates. All right, cool. Okay. Right. I need a new job. This is different. Yep. Never mm-hmm. worked here before. I love your food, so let's do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started there you know, as a cashier, and within a couple of weeks, they were like, oh, okay. Now I'm talking a couple of weeks. They were like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, this, this kid's cool. He's he's moved around already to you know, the salad, the, the soups, and the sandwich bar, and making the food, and all this and that, and has sure. been the consolidator and that kind mm-hmm. of person. Mm-hmm. Let, let's see what he's made of. So they made me a shift supervisor, mm-hmm. I think, within two to four weeks. And then a couple of weeks after that, they sent me to uh, another store to train. Now, to be, a, to be an assistant manager. So when I went there, I'll never forget this guy, Dave Schickel. Oh, real, real beep of a guy, right? Like mm-hmm. real hard real hard guy yeah um to the point where my first day he was already down my throat about something that i had done wrong um and it was one of those things where you you know you get comfortable at a place and you think oh yeah i'm cool so Mm -hmm. i went to this other one and apparently my standard wasn't high enough and the first thing i remember him saying directly to me was let's get something straight right now this is the standard that i have if you can't do it there's the door Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty, yeah. That's pretty direct. <laughs> he, he was that kind of guy. Right. Okay. Wow. Okay. Man, I thought I was doing a pretty good job. 
Mm. And so I stayed there for a couple of weeks and I trained and it came to pass that he, I guess I grew on him a little bit. So he actually took me out of the restaurant that I was originally going to be an assistant mm-hmm. manager of and he mm-hmm. kept me at his. And Interesting. Yeah, it, it created some, I think, friction, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, <laughs> it worked out. Um, and so there I really developed working under this guy. Um, I developed a real fondness for him. Like he, he was always that kind of manager that you're like, oh, I'm kind of walking on eggshells here. I don't want to piss him off. But <laughs> at, at the same time, I really want to do well because I love it when he tells me I do a good job because he doesn't tell anybody. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, there's a respect there. You don't know why yeah. there's a respect there, but there is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I hate you, but at the same time, I really respect <laughs> you. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I busted my butt there. Uh, long story short, I guess too late, but um, I ended up as a regional uh, training manager for Panera Bread, um, mm-hmm. as well as overseeing that original restaurant after Dave left. Uh, they gave him an opportunity to open up another one somewhere else. So I took the reins there, but my main focus was um, training uh, five or six different restaurants, new associates, new managers. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that if, if I were to take something from there um, would be organization, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you're training five or six different stores worth of people and, you've got to be organized. You've got to be on, you've got to know yourself like the back of your hand. And sure. um, it was just a really great time. Um, Panera Bread's got a great product. They've got a really good system in place. Mm-hmm. So when they have the right people executing it, it's just, I mean, obviously they're still going strong. So how would you, how would you explain that brand for those who don't know it? Andrew? it yeah. So Panera Bread is a bakery cafe um, mm-hmm. in the plainest sense of the word. So, you can get anything there from fresh bread, fresh bagels, um, mm-hmm. fresh pastries and cookies, all baked on site overnight, mm-hmm. every night, yeah. um, to, you know, salads and sandwiches and soups. Um, so mm, it's kind of like, I guess I would equate it to, oh, man, I don't even know what it's like here um, in Australia. Mm. It's kind of like... You would imagine a Starbucks, right, um, okay. that that sells actual, like, food. Like, that's the that's the general. So, like, a deeper range of products. So, maybe yeah. Starbucks, doing, Starbucks doing bread and soups Correct. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. It's the same kind of ordering system. You order, they take your name, they call your name when it's ready. Right. Okay. You sit there if you want or you can take it away. But, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And was, did it grow up to be a big brand while you were still in America? Yeah, well, I mean, Panera Bread is, um, it's actually, yeah, it's still growing. While I was there, I saw it growing a lot. I saw uh, in the couple of years that I was with them, um, their branding changed mm-hmm. at least twice. Right. Um, yeah. And... It was just amazing. The first time that I had walked into that restaurant, <clears throat> their lunch, maybe they're doing on a weekday, they were doing, oh, this is, this is almost 10 years ago. Now they're, they're doing, you know, about $1,500 for, for a lunch. 
Okay. Um, that's good. You, you know, and that's at America prices. So yeah. So that's a pretty good lunch for them mm. um, on a weekday. Mm. Um, mm. So by the time I left, they were probably doing closer to twenty-five. Um, yeah, right. So and I mean, I'd, as much as I'd love to take credit for that, um, it was just it was good marketing. Um, yeah, sure. And I will take some of the credit for that because I've turned, <laughs> turned some of those associates into really good guest service people. Absolutely. I think it's actually smart. And when you when you leave a brand and you know you've left it, left it better, either by training or culture or people, than yeah. when you actually entered it, it's, it's always a humbling experience, I think. Yeah, totally. Um, so ended up at Panera Bread, and then I know you came to Australia after that. What What drove you to Australia initially? Well, after I left um, uh, Panera Bread, I... Because, you know, during all this time, I'm still doing my theater and my acting yes, and course. where I can and when I can. Um, and while I was at Panera, I was doing a show and I had to learn how to ballroom dance. Okay. Um, so I took lessons, um, mm-hmm. as any good actor should do. If you have to do something you don't know, research yes. it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> so that was with Arthur Murray Dance Studio. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I loved it. I fell in love with it. So show went well. I continued to dance afterward um, uh-huh. with everything, and it came to pass that they eventually offered me a job. Mm. So they were like, look, we really want you to work for us. You you are a great people person, which mm-hmm. I developed through hospitality. Sure. Um, and, you know, you've got that you, – you obviously can move. Um, you know, I've never considered myself a dancer, but with something like that, you don't have to be a great dancer to teach. Um, right, right. Uh, the great dancing will come later. Mm-hmm. So they asked me. I said yes. So I left Panera Bread after a couple of years um, with Panera Bread. I left them, gave them my notice, <clears throat> left on great terms, so that was cool. Um, mm-hmm. And then I started teaching with Arthur Murray. Um, the first competition that I took one of my students to mm-hmm. was actually in Italy. And wow. Yeah. So I danced. Uh, both with my students and also with my other teacher. We uh, competed professionally. Yes. Um, And one of the Australian franchisees who was there with some of their students saw me dancing, Mm -hmm. um, and they came right up to me and said, really would love for you to come for just a a dance at our studio. (laughs) I had no idea that it was a job trial. So me, 24 years old, and they flew you over, and they did, there was no charge. Yeah. They flew. Wow. No, so, they did everything. It was awesome. Wow. Um, so I, I flew over. Yeah, let's go to Australia. I've never been there. <laughs> um, so by the time I got there, they had actually already spoken to um, the people, um, uh, like the uh, immigration people and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, so they're like, look, here's the deal. This is what we want from you. Can you come teach for us? And it was actually an amazing opportunity because – um, that's where I really learned how to be a great dancer. I, I came into um, this awesome guy, Tom Coughlin. Um, mm-hmm. I took over all his students because he was leaving, and all his students were single, female, competitive. So mm-hmm. I went from teaching maybe 10 lessons a week to teaching 50 to 60 lessons a week overnight. Wow. Literally. Um, wow. And most of the students that I took over were <laughs> were actually – in levels that I didn't know how to teach yet because you've got to figure I'm so new at this job. Yeah, wow. So that was a big learning curve. Basically, yes. in a week, I had to learn 
uh, bronze one, two, three, four, silver one, two, three, four, gold one, two, three, four, gold bar, gold star. It was a real beat, right? Mm. Um, so the thing that I took away from that <laughs> was how to get in gear and meet a deadline. Um, so, yeah, it was just a really cool experience. You know, I became a pretty solid dancer, won mm-hmm. a couple of professional comps. Uh, this is the American standard yeah. uh, in ballroom and Latin. And uh, within a month of being with the studio, um, I was out of oh, 350 studios in the world, 70 countries. Uh, I had the number one sales. Mm-hmm. Um number one amount of teaching lessons. I think my best day now we taught, uh, we sold to my students alone. Um, we sold about $40,000 worth of lessons in one day. Wow. wow. All because I learned how to be a good people person. Yeah. <laughs> so why is it positive, right? Always That's positive it. You really story. got to read personalities well mm. in, in mm. that, in that business. Cause you're charging $150 per lesson. Basically. Yeah, that's not cheap. So no, you got to be worth it. Yeah, exactly. So, moving on from that, did you? Um, is that when you sort of got back into into hospitality again, and you decided you want to stay in Australia? Yeah, well, just about. I mean, after that, uh, I opened up my own studio, uh-huh. um, which was an art demurry. Uh, I was a franchise of that, and yep. did that for another couple of years, and then yeah, mm-hmm. um, I left art demurry to get into. Because uh, at that point, I'd been teaching for, you know, a while. Yeah. Um, and I, I felt that I got enough out of it. I wanted to move on, get back into hospitality. I started with business development to get um, – so I could really learn about the Australian market. So I, mm-hmm. I got into a business development role. And then um, I started working at small cafes here and there. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I just learned that Australian market as much as I could. And – then I managed a pancake parlor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I opened the one up in Werribee. Mm-hmm. Um, I love pancake parlor. Love their product. A lot, a lot of work. Yeah, a lot of work. You're talking sure. 60, 70 hours a week as the restaurant manager there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really kicked me into the hospitality gear in Australia. Cool. What was the biggest thing you you noticed? It was difference between the restaurants you've worked in, cafes and restaurants you've worked in America and, and those ones you started to work in Australia? Definitely the biggest difference that I uh, found, the biggest two differences were um, the people, uh, the, the, the employees of the restaurant. They were looked at more as, um, uh, sorry, less as expendable and they they definitely put the more and more time into training these people because they want to see them grow. Yes. Um, that being said, the other big difference that I saw was definitely uh, it was it was the, the way that guests are treated. Um, not that they're treated poorly or anything, but the biggest difference uh, I think I said before I uh, noticed was that it's much more um, an A B C process here. Of course, right. Whereas mm-hmm. in the States, obviously, it's just a different culture. It's more like a, a and a half, how you doing? Let's talk yep. about stuff. Let's get to know each other. B, here's your food. Oh, how are you enjoying it? Let's strike up a conversation. Sure. So, yeah, it's definitely that is probably the biggest difference is that culture between um, guest and employee. 
do you think that's purely based on do you think that's purely based on tip or do you think that's part culture as well in the Americans that's might be cult- more friendly or you know yeah do you know I think uh, that's that's a hard one um, mm-hmm. because I, I I'll be the first to admit um, definitely when you're working for tips it will make you into a friendly person <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> it, 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 if point. you're yeah if you're point. a jerk. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's it's. I guess it depends on where you're working, right? So, definitely in a sit-down restaurant, yeah, it's mm. going to make all the difference in the world. Versus sure. versus when you sit in a sit-down restaurant here, where it's more ABC. Um, yes. I found there were a lot less checkbacks here, mm-hmm. and a lot less um, is everything okay? You know, because there's yeah. less urgency there, and that's. I think that's just more widely accepted here. Mm. Um, that being said, when you're in in, uh, in a place like Panera Bread, mm-hmm. where you're not working on tips, it is a it's like you know it's a bakery cafe. You're not a waiter. You're mm-hmm. getting your minimum wage or whatever you're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's definitely more, and this I'm still talking about in America. There's yeah. more. You see a lot more people like just doing the ABC thing, where yes. it's, yeah, there's customer service there, and you try to you try to nail it into them as much as you can, but you know, a lot of these kids are kids. It's their first job. They don't know how to be people. People. They're um, learning, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. So they're much less focused and worried about how to make that guest laugh, and more focused on not pressing the wrong button. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. Yeah, it depends on where you are, I suppose. So I know you've been back to America recently this year. Do you think there's any food trends or? or you know, hospitality trends that you think could uh, are likely to explode in other areas around the world and through through Australasia? Oh yeah, look, I mean, it's already happening. Um for example, one of the one of the thing and it, it's it's kind of like Australian America especially, they create that circle, right? Like mm-hmm. one is not going to do something without the other one following suit. Absolutely. Um, and that could be America doing it first, could be Australia doing it first. You know, it just it just depends. Um, and definitely, like I went to L.A. Uh, a couple times in the past uh, year or however long. Definitely there is a market for things that – there's always a market for things that are that are new. Yep. Um, the biggest thing, of course, being the, the organic – Foods that's that that's boomed in the past five ten years organic yeah. and the, yeah. and then now all this new stuff like the hipster stuff you know like mm-hmm. sriracha like I, I don't know what that is um, <laughs> but I, I hear people asking for it all the time I'm just like man say one more hipster thing I don't know what was <laughs> what, that I still don't know if it's a if it's a stew or if it's a sauce doesn't matter it's expensive. Um, so. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> one thing I do know about yeah. it. Um, so, you know, definitely things are booming all the time. Mm. Whenever somebody sees something new, it's like, oh, a shiny object. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do yeah, that. absolutely. So, yeah. I think you're right. I think if you, when I was in America midway through last year, and especially in L.A., where a lot of the trends um, come out of in food, um, especially in Australia and mm. Europe, um, I was just amazed to see the explosion of, you know, real organic food market kind of brands uh, like E1 and, and, and these kind of guys. And 
you know, in that next level above, you know, Whole Foods um, yeah. market, it's 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 quite unbelievable to see how much people will pay for a bag of blue chips. Oh yeah, it's you know? it's mm. like just doubling the price. You can I mean yeah. more than that sometimes. You go to mm. get something like I don't think you have them here, but Tostitos, they're just like regular plain tortilla chips. Right. For like dollar, two dollars a bag. You get these yeah. uh blue chips and it's like seven, eight bucks a bag. So, yeah. It's pretty insane. Pretty yeah. interesting. So I've got two more questions for you. One is if you weren't um if you weren't doing hospitality and you weren't involved in acting or dancing, what other profession do you think you'd actually want to try a hat on? Do you know, I was actually just talking about this uh, the other day. I feel like I would love to be a lawyer. Um, because, wow. okay. Yeah. I did not expect that to come out of you now. No. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, the reason being is I, I love analyzing a problem. I love okay. working the problem and I like paying attention to detail and, you know, not going to lie, I'm sure you've probably already experienced this with me. I really love a good argument. You do? You know? <laughs> I do. I, I, I love Sometimes arguing. for no reason. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, my favorite thing to do is to have an argument for like 10 minutes and then catch somebody in something that they said at the beginning of the argument that I can use against them. Oh, hang on. That's not what you said. You said this before. That's just fun to me. It's obnoxious, I know, but, you know. <laughs> So you you uh you like the fact of being a what kind of lawyer would you be? Do you think? What, uh, would you be a defense lawyer or? I think I'd be a defense lawyer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely be a lot a harder. Defense lawyer. Yeah, mm. Mm. that's good. Um, well, learned something new today, so that's a good thing. Go. Um, and my last my last question, uh, what we always end on, Andrew, is what would um what would Andrew at eighteen say for himself now? No, no, he knows now. Uh, invest in Facebook. No, no, that's not. Um, <laughs> oh, Andrew at 18. I think I would say just keep doing it. You keep doing what you're doing. Keep mm-hmm. learning. And mm-hmm. the most important thing I'll say to you is that there's always somebody who knows more. Mm-hmm. You don't know everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, there's always somebody that you can learn from. And you're never mm-hmm. done, especially at 18 when we all knew everything. Of course, of yeah. course. <laughs> um, what a great interview! Thank you so much for your time today, Andrew. Oh, thank um, you so much for having me. Uh, I know you're involved in a lot of different things other than the group that we're we're currently involved in, which is is Four Fingers Crispy Chicken. So we're mm-hmm. we're launching that brand in June and July in in Melbourne and Brisbane, which is very exciting. It's great to have you on board. Um, is there is there any anything you want to link up? in this podcast that people can follow you on or, or find you in regards to your acting, your acting stuff or anything else? Yeah. Well, Hey, I'm always, I'm always excited to get new followers. Uh, obviously I have a Facebook page, Andrew Lorenzo actor. Um, and that's also my Instagram, Andrew Lorenzo actor. Awesome. Um, I post, I post a lot about health and food and exercise, mm-hmm. but you know, whenever I'm acting or whenever I have, I'm on set or on stage, you can follow me there as well. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll link that up as well when we when we uh, spread this word out about this great podcast. And I thank you so much for your time. And everyone, thank you for listening to uh, to Common Ground, Episode 4 with Andrew Lorenzo. All right, man. Cheers, Bye.